This is a fourth-hand production. Members of Cult, where 11 bodies were found, ate and drank leaders' body waste. So, yeah. Oh, rad. Yeah, great news. You know, it just still happens to this day. It's like a organization I want to be a part of. Right. Uh. Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Now, are they are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental I don't uh, know, planes man. that they're building? Police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. There's this weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. And welcome to Strange Uncles. Uh, late, er, <laughs> I'm Shane. <laughs> uh... Who am I? What am I? I, I know. Or if, I we're all screwed up on a Sunday, you. dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm Josh. I <clears> yeah, think. Yeah, right, right. Uh, we are missing John. Poor, poor John is sitting in uh, Mexico right now, or at least on his way back. Not sure. Poor rat bastard. I know, right? God, God, my heart goes my heart goes out for that guy. Jesus, it's awful. So it's just you and I, and we're recording late on this episode. So for those of you who uh, usually have this drop first thing, well, 3 a.m. actually, every Sunday is when I put these out. Um, I, <laughs> Josh, readily knows, however, uh, I, after, what, over two years? Two years and four getting, months? Getting close five to two months? and a half. Yeah. Got COVID. Yay. So... There's well, you that. know, it happens to the worst of us. I fucking right. <laughs> well, you know, and that, Jesus. And and the shitty thing is we don't even know where. Like, the wife and I both got it. You know, felt like hell Saturday, tested Sunday. Um, you know, and again, we've been, you know, got our masks on, did our shots, all yada, yada. We've been staying safe. And even now, the, you know, they lift the mask mandates here where we live. Um, but if we're, like, in a crowded, crowded area, we put our masks on just because. I mean, you know, it's kind of a courtesy thing. But somewhere along the the pension of everything, uh, we caught it. So, you know, so we've been quarantined for five days, feeling like crap. And I will say the only thing that affected me, and I talked to you a little bit about it in the beginning, but, uh, you know, it's like a, it's a cough. It's a cold, right? I mean, it's no big deal. You kind of aches and pains. You know, you get the sniffly nose. But the keeping the thoughts in the head, I man, dude, it's been a, it's been a fucking bitch. I can't trying to work and trying to concentrate and trying to make sure I, I got my tasks in place. I it it was hit and miss all week. So yeah, man, I feel like my brain's foggy on a good day. So I don't know nah, if I catch that shit, I'm gonna be a paperweight. <laughs> you're, you're so screwed. No, I know. You know, it is what it is. Like I said, but we did our due diligence. We're you know we're back to work Monday and all that, and um, you know just trying to. Unfortunately, other people in the group that caught COVID, they weren't as responsible. Um, eh, whatever. You know, it is what it is. Yeah, but that America. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, and yeah, so not to get on political soapbox, but yeah, it is upsetting when, you know, look, personally for me, if I know I've actively carrying COVID, whether it's a, it affects you or, you know, it's just a cough, it's just a cold, herd immunity, whatever, you know, we've heard, we've been through this, right? We've heard both sides and all this stuff. I'm still not going to be out of public if I can help it. And if I have to be for something, whether it's a medical appointment or something, I'm masking up, I'm letting the person know what's going on. It's just the right thing to do. I don't yeah, understand, I have you know, zero problems wearing a mask at all. It's yeah. like, yeah. 
even when it's hot and you're like active and you're breathing heavy and it sucks, it's whatever, you know, I, it, it's, it, it, it's a mild nature inconvenience of the yeah, compared and it, to it, like not getting everybody around yeah. you sick. You know? Exactly. And this is one of the reasons we're still in this crap is because other people don't do that. And they decide they're yep. going to go out there and they're going to go, oh, it's not affecting me. I feel well, fine. You know, their yeah. comfort is more important than your life, so. <laughs> Evidently, that's the thing. You know, not to but be all bleeding is, hearts here, but still. That is how we op- how we roll here. In, yeah, know. the good old U.S. of A, right? Yep, so. the good old anyway. self- selfish <laughs> asshole of America. Man, yeah. I try anyway. to love my fellow man, but boy, it's a toughie. It is a toughie sometimes, but anyway. Anyway, so uh, we're a little bit behind. Just want to let you guys know that, but this will drop today, probably like an hour, actually. Uh, so you're literally listening to us uh, from like an hour and a half after you hear this. So, you know, it's cool. Um, Fuck, this we're is, practically live. <laughs> right, practically, almost like Memorex, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> So this is a news episode, too, on top of that. So it should go quick and easy. And then uh, we've got some really cool guests lined up for next week. Um, I'm thinking John's going to be back by that time. So we've got some uh, some write-ups, some some things. But I'll tell you, dude, there's been all kinds of shit on the news this last couple weeks. I'm kind yeah, of excited. I couldn't find anything, like, super strange, but I found a lot of, like, super interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's start with this, if you don't mind. Um, and this is kind of like we've been waiting for it. We've been doing it. And I'm, we're not going to, you know, beat a dead horse on this thing. But uh, this is actually from Ralph Blumenthal, New York Times. House panel to hold public hearing on unexplained aerial sightings. So here we go. I mean, we're kicking the door open at least a little bit. Um, says the subcommittee of the House Intelligence Committee will hear testimony next week from two Pentagon officials. Uh, and the House subcommittee is scheduled to hold next week the first open congressional hearing on identified aerial vehicles in more than half a century. The last time they did this was when the Project Blue Book came out in the early 70s. So, um, you know, yeah, talking about doing this, talking about doing it. Now they're actually doing it. And it's called a it's a nine page preliminary assessment from the Office of the Director of the National Intelligence, focused on 144 incidents dating all the way back to 2004. And um, they could only explain one out of those 144 instances. Uh, but, yeah, kind of excited. I don't know. I can't say excited. Like, we've been batting this thing around for a while, right? Yeah. Well, and, I mean, I think we've all said this before, but, like, I, I don't think Big D disclosure is coming, especially after mm-hmm. looking at the shit that's yeah. been going on for the last, like, you know – six-ish years i i don't think the government knows a whole lot about this shit that they're not telling us because like look at how fucking incompetent and shitty they are at doing anything you know <laughs> what i mean like Touché. there's no way they could they could pull this off in any way shape have or this form. huge cover-up about this because they're all fucking retarded right, right. like agreed it's just agreed i mean I you know, know. At, at the same time uh at the same time it's something i mean but yeah you're yeah. right you know they talk about this big deal yeah, yeah okay it, it's already it's already there come on yeah it's already it's already out you know you guys I, can do this all you want but yeah Yeah, I think big D disclosure is just going to be like, we admit that this is a thing that's happening and it and we admit that it's real. And we admit that we don't know what it is. Right. You know, because like, like, I mean, unless there was some sort of like, like, sub governmental agency, like the CIA on steroids, there's no way they could keep it quiet. 
You know no. what I mean? No, like, not not just, in this, especially this day and age. You know, yeah. it's just what it is. And I know DeLong's still working towards whatever in game he's got going on. And you know, there's standby for exciting news. I mean, it seems like every week that's a thing. But uh, you know, we've got that that came out. And then um, I'm not going to cover it as a news really, but I piggyback on that, and then I'll throw it in your court, man. Um, sure. You know, things like the, this new black hole they discovered. Uh, you know, the first picture of this black hole yeah. in the Milky Way. It's called Sag- Sagittarius A. Um, there's just some, you know. There's there's some cool shit out there that we're seeing and maybe god i don't know you know i'm hoping crossing fingers that we stumble on something objectively somewhere you know between all this news but yeah we'll see yeah i mean yeah i don't know it's it's fun to be on the on the forefront of of knowledge and discovery you know like with the james webb telescope and these new pictures of of uh of these supermassive black holes and stuff like it's it pretty cool it's you it's a uh, a fucking rare bright spot in a bleak world. So yes, I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. The least, I don't I don't ask for much. I, I just ask yeah. a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> anyway, uh, what do you got, man? Oh well, I got a bunch of space stuff and uh, some anthropological stuff, and I think we'll start with the old stuff. Nice. So uh, this is from Revia. I don't know what that is, but whatever. (laughs) Some kind of publication. Right. A sign of mysterious ancient human has been found in in South African caves. As a continent, Africa has been one of the richest sources of information about ancient people. Lucy and Australia... God, I don't know why I can't say this word. Maybe because it's basically Sunday morning. But anyway, (laughs) Australia... Australopithecus genus of early hominins was discovered in 1974 by researchers working in Ethiopia. She was 3.2 million years old, making her one of the earliest known human ancestors. Africa has proven to be one of the most profitable wells of old human knowledge as a continent, not to mention just uh, general. Yeah. um, Yeah. Literally most profitable of anything. There's a reason we've been exploiting it for, hundreds of years anyway Jesus. um uh let's see so lucy was found in ethiopia analysis showed that she was one of the earliest known human ancestors 3.2 million years old the difference between this and the 200,000 year timetable for human evolution in east africa is mind-boggling that's a pretty hmm. big gap you know yeah hell yeah uh, jesus like what sorry there's like a fruit fly or something buzzing around my face (laughs) it's gonna it's gonna be a tough one today yeah yeah um however in 2017 fossils discovered in an ancient mine in morocco turned this story on its head with skeletons and artifacts going back to about three hundred thousand years so that right there like increases it even further um and this wasn't the only big step forward in human history in the last 10 years. Two years earlier, researchers were caving in South Africa when they found a completely new species of homo. <laughs> uh, Dr. Lee Berger has sent e- or has spent years mapping all the sites he has yet to visit in the rising star cave system in southern South Africa. One of his most noteworthy expeditions to date was into a previously unexplored cave. The life of Earth, the age of humans, a Smithsonian Channel documentary looked into the discovery. I had this map created of almost 800 cave sites that were all entryways into the underworld that I hadn't been in yet. 
And that was the mission, he said, of the approach that led to the major discovery. Dr. Berger had heard rumors of human remains in one of the cave's corridors, so he began making arrangements to explore the cave's unexplored areas. Although some of the openings within the cavern were only a few inches wide, the, uh, the outline of the figure eventually emerged from the murky darkness. He said, I was speechless. There I saw something I thought I would never see in my entire career. There was a clearly primitive hominid just lying there on the surface in the dirt. What? Uh, so, undisturbed remains. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Huh. Um, so, looks like they found 15 different skeletons dating back to the time when humans initially spread across Africa. Surprisingly, the remains revealed information about a complete generation of ancient humans from infants to old. A uh, closer examination revealed that the bones did not belong to the type of human known to scientists, but to a completely new species. From afar, wow. Homo naledi, as the remains were dubbed, would have appeared to be human. Close up, however, their proportions would have been drastically different. They were both quite short, with tiny heads and shoulders, and radically different facial features. Naledi was one of a number of human-like species that lived 300,000 years ago alongside Homo sapiens. Homo erectus and Homo neanderthalus neanderthalensis were two other relatives dr berger's find was the greatest of its kind ever made on the african continent due to the sheer volume of the remains however mm. naledi is shrouded in mystery how did the remains end up in the cave to begin with and how did the little species coexist with larger relatives uh dr rick potts a paleoanthrop paleon yeah paleoanthropologist at the national museum of national history uh said the discovery and others like it are pushing the idea of linear human evolution scale out the window. He said, we used to see human evolutionary history as that march of progress from ape-like to human beings. Like, so picture the diagram or like the descendants t-shirt, mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, instead, what we're learning is that there were contemporaries. Our evolutionary tree is branching and diverse like the evolutionary trees of almost all other organisms on earth. Uh, Homo naledi is only has only been discovered in the Cradle of Humankind World Heritage Site in South Africa, roughly forty kilometers from Johannesburg. Hmm. It's so, you know amazes me, man. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just just when we think we found it, there's something. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's always crazy, and, well, and, and that sounds pretty blatant too. Like it's just there. They just stumbled on it. Yeah, you know? and and I like when um, I think that he. Like my personal feelings on it are that we know a lot less about the origins of humanity than we like to pretend we do, mm -hmm. um, and yep. the origins of civilization as well. And I like whenever they there's a discovery like this that receives like little to no pushback that people are just like, oh yeah, that's fucking wild, cool. Which is cool yeah. instead of fucking arguing and bickering and what they find and everything and no oh, disproving and you know yeah yeah absolutely. So yeah. It just amazes me. Yeah, that's cool. No, um, something be said, you know, and I was reading this article the other day about footprints that they found. I know they found them a few years ago, but th this is another set evidently and that sets them back even like they're thinking they were 28,000 years off from their original height. Like it just keeps getting bumped back and bumped back, you know, to the human evolution where we're at, what we can yeah. find, how we commuted across the continents, you know, at one time. Um, just amazing. Just absolutely amazing. That's cool. Yeah. Well, here's one um, in case you're wondering why you're fucking weird or myself or both of us, actually. Um, 
do you believe in ghosts? Cognitive science says your brain can be wired differently. Yeah, so this is a uh, this is off a of forty year research, and actually, I found a few articles on this, but this one's the best write up. It's from Connie Lynn, um, and it basically uh, don't look now, but your brain could be playing tricks on you. Um, so they are saying, uh, if you believe in the stories, it might be because of your brain was wired, or at least that's what forty years of research uh, says. So that's according to a new paper from United Kingdom University, which reviewed more than seventy studies from nineteen eighty through twenty twenty all probing the cognitive functions of folk who believe in paranormal phenomena such as hauntings, telekinesis, and clairvoyance. And the findings, authors say, boost the hypothesis that supernatural believers exhibit unique mental behavior in areas like reasoning, memory, and thinking style. So, uh, for example, there's a consistent link between ghost story belief and what's classified as intuitive thinking versus analytical, as well as some weaker links to verbal creativity and disordered random thought patterns. Uh, Compared to skeptics, believers also had stronger confirmation bias, uh, the tendency to favor information that confirms their existing beliefs, as well as stronger uh, disconfirmation bias, the tendency to dismiss information that contradicts their beliefs. They also generally show worse reasoning skills, although authors note those findings were inconsistent. So despite that, it's been documented that paranormal belief is significantly less common in academic studying fields like the hard sciences, which we know, uh, medicine, psychology, all very logical disciplines compared to those studying religion, the arts, or the teachings. Uh, lower belief scores were also observed in those with higher levels of ed- education, while higher belief scores were seen in those who were more extroverted or neurotic. Unfortunately for believers, yeah, right. Unfortunately for believers, the UK report also supports a past conclusion that paranormal belief is linked to cognitive uh, cognitive deficits, sixty percent. Of studies associated belief with Wait, poor. Wait, did they just call us dumb? In, a, in kind of well, they went around the way to do it, but yeah, generally. <laughs> well, of course, because why? Why just call someone dumb when you can use ten dollars? Big words fancy words, it? yeah, exactly. Um, let me see. But again, the authors note those findings have flaws. For one, many studies lacked subjects who were diverse in age or academic background. They also used a mishmash of scales for measuring belief. Another perhaps telling point. Many failed to even include a section describing limitations, suggesting that they may have been blind to their own blind spots. Yada, yada, yada. So, mm. Mm. so a flawed study. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, but it's weird because it's blown up all over the place. But um, flawed study, but 40 years of flaw, you know, but there's well, things that they're know, bringing out of that. Uh, you build something on a shitty foundation. It's, it's going it to fall over anyway. how long you keep going. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. I just thought oh, that was man. interesting. Um, and it seems like, you know, if nothing else, I guess I take out of that, it's a different way to approach a field that really isn't a scientific field. There's nothing validated. It's just a different way to look at it. And maybe yeah. that helps the reasoning factor of it, you know? So, well, I like, I don't know if we covered it on one of these episodes, but I remember a little while back a study coming out that kind of linked like seeing ghosts and stuff to a higher uh probability of um like schizophrenia schizophrenic type oh yeah uh, i think i remember degenerative that. brain diseases you know which <laughs> i, I like guess basically a great thing. like your your brain is failing and hallucinating <laughs> right P- pretty damn so, actively at that point so yeah so yeah. that's that that was a fun read oh jeez. <laughs> but huh. i don't know man like having read the trickster and the paranormal and how in depth uh george hansen goes into Oof. how uh parapsycho- parapsychology is actually uh studied and, and all of that kind of stuff and how rigorously uh they set up those experiments 
to so that they can stand up to scrutiny because they know right. no one right. else in the hard sciences fucking believes them. Yeah. I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, and then again, you know, we've talked about, you know, we've got uh, like uh, Dr. Loeb and these other ones are out there that are, you know, putting this on their heads. You know, it's something different. It's like the looking at it. He's accredited. He's, you know, I mean, we're slowly, but slowly we're starting to kind of, it really goes back on credibility, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. So, you know, but anyway, yeah. well, let's, uh, let's go to the moon, shall we? Um, scientists successfully grow plants in soil from the moon. Oh, I heard this. Yeah, fucking moon farmers, bro. Um, that's one small pot of soil, one giant leap for man's knowledge of space agriculture. I see what scientists... you did there. That's clever. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised they didn't try to grow potatoes, but anyway. Uh, scientists have, for the first time, grown plants in lunar soil brought back from astronauts in the Apollo program. The groundbreaking experiment detailed the journal Communications Biology on Thursday has given researchers hope that it may be possible to one day grow plants directly on the moon. That would save future space missions much hassle and, and expense facilitating longer and farther trips. However, according to the study's University of Florida authors, uh, much remains to be studied on the topic and they intend to leave no stone unturned. This research is critical to NASA. Uh, to NASA's long-term human exploration goals, said Bill Nelson, the head of the U.S. Space Agency. We'll need to use resources found on the Moon and Mars to develop food sources for future astronauts living and operating in deep space. For their experiment, the researchers used just 12 grams, a few teaspoons, of lunar soil collected from various spots on the Moon during the Apollo 11, 12, and 17 missions. In tiny thimble-sized pots, they placed about a gram of soil, called a regolith, and added water, then the seeds. They also fed the plants a nutrient solution every day. The researchers chose a plant, uh, a, a ribidop... I swear I read this. I don't... <laughs> I would help you, but I can't see what you're looking at over. I can't talk today. Uh, Aridibosis. Yeah, fuck Nailed it. Fucking nailed it. Basically, it's a relative of mustard greens uh, because it grows easily and, most importantly, has been studied extensively. Its genetic code and responses to hostile environments, even in space, are well known. So it's a really good uh, control. You know. mm, okay. As a control group, seeds were also planted in soil from Earth as well as samples imitating lunar and Martian soil. I don't know how you imitate it, but okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the results, after two days, everything sprouted, including the lunar samples. Every plant, whether in a lunar sample or in a control, looked the same up until about day six. Annalisa Paul, uh, lead author of the paper, said. Uh, but after that, uh, differences started to appear. The plants in the lunar samples grew more slowly and had stunted roots. After 20 days, the scientists harvested all the plants and ran studies on their DNA. The, their analysis showed that the lunar plant had reacted similarly to those grown in hostile environments such as soil with too much salt or heavy metals. In the future, scientists want to understand how this environment could be made more hospitable. Uh, NASA is preparing to return to the moon as part of the Artemis program with a long-term goal of establishing lasting human presence on its surface. Hmm. That's a bummer. I was really hoping they like little uh, farms and gardens up there in the moon soil, and now. Well, I mean, just because yeah. they're not, because they grow the way they grow in in hostile environments here on Earth, doesn't mean that they're. I mean, it's not not de- uh, true. Uh, true. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not. It's not perfect, 
but you know, it's not bad either. So yeah, huh? Yeah, amazing. And I think they were there was another uh, research that came out a few months ago that they're looking on how to protect astronauts because of the radiation belt <clears throat> that goes around the moon. And they were looking into the caves and the lunar caverns and things like that because it drastically cuts down the radiation. Um, and so they're, that's one of their plan, programs or plans is, you know, can we actually build something within these craters or these caverns um, that would better protect them than something we can go up there with? So I don't know. Well, we, we, all, uh, we all know the moon's hollow, so... Right, right. Well, it's a machine, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's rings a, like a bell. It's an arc. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was that news out there, too. <laughs> so, um, uh, uh, But I remember, I think, when we were researching the moon landing episode way back in the day, uh, seeing something where when they were talking about trying to go up and mine it, and they were talking about, like, atmosphere and 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 protection from radiation and stuff and there was a scientist like in the 60s i think that was saying like you can just put basically a heavy plastic cover like a tarp Mm -hmm. over a crater and then like pump air into it and it'll and basically pressurize you know and basically Mm -hmm. it'll be like you'd be able to work in there and be safe from the radiation at least even if you still had to be in spacesuits and everything yeah 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 well you know it's exciting you know at the same time if and when we're gonna get there you know um i mean i'm not a bet man josh but i think we've got bigger problems here to solve before we go land on the moon like how the Glen Canyon Dam has about six months left. That oh it can my produce power. god! I oh dude, the whole um, the whole drought for California. I just like shake my head. Nevada, Lake Mead. You know, I mean, the cool thing about Lake Mead, not to get on a side story, but uh, they're finding all the mafia dead bodies that, <laughs> that yeah. got dumped in there from the forties, fifties, sixties. Insane. I, you know? I saw a headline earlier too where they were saying that um, I think it's somewhere in Arizona is as dry as it's physically possible to be. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, and not only that, but there's fucking massive heat waves in India and Pakistan. People Mm -hmm. are dying over there. They're supposed to have what, like we got a really bad one because I moved back in May, late May. And then mid June we had, we broke records we had this weird heat that stayed here for like two weeks. It was just a dome and it hit 112 degrees in, in this area, which is uncalled for. Like just, it's never, Never. Yeah. You know, it's 20 and degrees hotter. Wasn't it pretty humid too? Oh, it was awful. It was awful. Well, now the same thing. There was another heat dome happening this week down in the Texas, Louisiana area, I guess. You know, so I mean, you know, not to be all Debbie Downer and all, but there's some problems here. We got to fucking figure them out. People are dying. <laughs> I mean, it's not a After good thing. After that last IPCC report came out, uh, one of the scientists set himself on fire on the steps of some. Uh, government really agency building uh, uh, i don't remember exactly which one um and it like barely made the news oh jesus that yeah, stuff so, just breaks my heart like, you know yeah it's and again we're not hippy dippies here we just want the best well and then where you're at too salt lake i keep hearing reports coming out of salt lake uh, it's just not good it's just not a good no you know, like we don't have scenario we're in a mega drought we don't have any fucking water and yeah. uh the Great Salt Lake is drying up, and once that's gone, it's going to be a basically a dust bowl event. Yeah, and yeah. because of all the mining runoff, all that 
dust is laced with arsenic. So that's super yep. fucking cool. Yep. Uh, same thing. We got, you know, we're sent by Lake Coeur d'Alene, beautiful, beautiful lake. Yeah. With all those mining chemicals at the bottom of it. And the only thing saving that lake is a little oxygen barrier. That's keeping all that stuff down on the ground. That oxygen barrier starts eating up. That lake's going to turn black. So yep. yeah. And there's thousands more throughout the country and the world that uh, we just never really thought of before you start pumping chemicals into them, you know? So yeah, but Hey, let's, anyway, let's, Drill, baby, drill. We need that right, fucking oil. Right, right, Well, <laughs> on that happy note, let's take a quick break. Um, and then I've got some other happy news uh, when we come back. Stand by, <laughs> everybody. Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality? Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates. All right, and we are back. Again, the news episode for May, I believe. Um, just in case, Josh, you know, I mean, I don't know if you thought maybe cults didn't exist or maybe the weirdos are, you know, you don't hear about them anymore. Um, well, I'm going to change your tune here. Members of cult where 11 bodies were found ate and drank leaders' body waste. So, yeah. Oh, rad. Yeah, great news. You know, it just still happens to this day. like a organization i want to be a part of right uh, <laughs> this is uh by gorgana grastavia um suspected cult leader has been arrested after police discovered 11 dead bodies in his jungle home in thailand uh tawi nanlan 74 who claimed to be the father of all religion allegedly forces followers to drink his urine and eat his excrement and stop them from leaving when place uh, police raided his home in the middle of the jungle of uh, Chayafum province, they discovered the corpses of devotees, including one of a baby, which is shitty. Uh, yeah. They were alerted by Kamjin Jara, 53, who told them her 80-year-old mom was staying at the site and was barred from returning to her family. Quote, I went to my mother, I went to visit my mother, and I saw how women were forced to follow dress code by wearing a knee-length sarong, and men had to sw- wear formal trousers, uh, unquote, Mrs. Jinjuri said. Um, everybody had to remove their shoes before entering the site. But what was even more shocking was that I watched my mother rub the leader's phlegm on her face and ate the man's scurf. I'm not sure what scurf is. Um, it can't be good. So yeah. there's that. Um, there were 11 dead bodies of the devotees on the premises. Um, my mother had also instructed me to leave her body in the same place. Um, the followers defy all COVID rules. They said that once you have devoted your life to following the man's teaching, you will be safe from COVID. Hmm. And so, yay, somebody else, you know, making some moves on the whole COVID thing. It's fucking amazes me. Um, Officials found five coffins outside the campsite, which were all drilled to allow the limp fluid to flow out. Nanlin's followers said the corpses were brought there for rituals to send them to heaven and were injected with a strong chemical to stop them from rotting. Picture showed the white-haired pensioner who goes by the name Joseph being detained by officers yesterday. He told them all of his followers were there willingly and that he did not force anybody to stay here or do anything they did not want to do. Which sounds like typical cult 101, right? Yep. So it is what it is. Here's another quote from a, uh, a camp resident, Mana, 45. 
um, said we have papers showing that the relatives had given consent with the death certificate. Some of them have practiced meditation in this place. As for the burial, we follow the process of the medical team. The body is put in a sealed bag and injected with formaldehyde to prevent the corpse from rotting. So far, Nanlan has only been charged with trespassing. Uh, police Colonel Watanachi Kanthantham <sighs> nailed it. Uh, confirmed yeah. adding a thorough investigation will take place. Um, Governor Quarisim Kachalad said the authorities were shocked after reports of what took place in the cult. Um, so, yeah, you know, just in case you think the cults are, you know, they went away or there's something bigger fish to fry. Eh, not the case. They're, they're still beating around out there. So That's not surprising. Not really. You know, again, faith in humanity and all. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's that. But um, not to be a Debbie Downer, but it, uh, you know, you don't hear the cults. Uh, it's been a while since I stumbled on a good old cult article. <laughs> so I figured oh, I'd man. throw it out there. Yeah. Cults are great. Mm-hmm. They are fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, whatever. Let's go to fucking Mars. How about that? Oh, yeah. Uh, Chinese rover suggests Mars had water more recently than thought. Uh, Okay, so this is from the Weekly Voice. Uh, Beijing, May 12. uh, China's Zhurong rover has found that Mars may have had liquid water hundreds of millions of years more recently than previously thought. It has long been believed that Mars was wet around <laughs> wet around three billion <laughs> years ago during the planet's Hesperian period, then lost much of its water. But the new study, published in the journal Science Advances, presents evidence of, of water activity from just 700 million years ago, well into the current Amazonian period. Space.com reported the Amazonian, Amazonian period was previously thought to be dry. Um, Hmm. which is a weird name for a dry period, I guess, but whatever. Yeah, I kept me (laughs) on there. Okay, all right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Scientists from the National Space Center uh, under the Chinese Academy of Sciences analyzed data from three different instruments on Zerong, the laser-induced breakdown spectrometer, uh, the telescopic micro-imaging camera, and the shortwave infrared spectrometer. China's Zerong rover is part of the Tianwen-1 mission, which touched down in southern Utopia uh, Planetaria on Mars in May 2021. The team used the data to... uh, Sorry. The team used data the rover gathered during its first uh, 92 Martian days, or Sols, as its landing site in Utopia uh, Planetaria. Planitia. Mm. Goddamn, words are hard, man. (laughs) Uh... The team identified uh, hydrated sulfate silica materials on the Amazonian terrain in the landing site, the researchers wrote in the paper. These hydrated minerals are associated with bright-toned rocks, interpreted to be uh, duracrust developed locally. The lilified uh, duracrusts suggest that formation with substantial liquid water uh, originates by either groundwater rising or subsurface ice melting, the team said. Hmm. In situ evidence, the aqueous activities identified at Zerong's landing site in- indicates a more active Amazonian hydrosphere for Mars than previously thought, the team wrote. The findings have also led researchers to speculate that Mars may have gone through cycles of climate changing from wet to warm and dry to cold instead of undergoing a single dramatic shift. The Zerong landing site and the northern lowlands may contain a considerable amount of accessible 
uh, water in the form of hydrated minerals and possibly ground ice for for in situ resources uh, resource utilization for future human Mars exploration. The team said. Zerong is now covered about two kilometers during its more than 350 Martian days and has analyzed a range of features on its travels, meaning more new Martian insights are likely still to come from the rover, the report said. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. That's kind of cool. You know, I mean, it's just like any other planet. I mean, I obviously just like, you know, it's going to change and morph or whatever have you, but it's still neat to discover, like, as we step more into that, as we do samples, as we look into it. Um, God, I couldn't even imagine water on Mars. Well, now, did you see that other thing on Mars too? By the way, not to sidestep, but uh, the the door. No, that they're seeing. There's, I mean, and again, it's you know, Scott Warren's probably way behind this, I'm sure. But <laughs> <laughs> there's a uh, yeah. that I had one of his articles. And I was like, oh, delete. No, nah, not going to listen to that guy. Um, but there's a door in a hillside that is like perfectly cut. It looks like a square door with a little hmm. arch on one side. And again, I you know people i don't expect an alien to poke their head out anywhere and go hey damn you found us but still no odd, but you know i mean if they had water more recently exactly it's possible that maybe yeah there was some habitable. sort of civilization there at some point you yeah know? i mean i yeah it's doubtful because there would probably be more evidence than just one random door in a in a hillside but also right you know a few hundred million years of uh of dust will cover a lot of stuff <laughs> we'll probably up. yeah exactly and what you know let's be honest we're what up there with this tiny little rover just crawling through the land you know who's to say what yeah. we're not seeing but i don't know you know i think it's more hope than anything you know but that's uh yeah that's interesting yeah i mean i'm sure it'll turn out to be like the face you know where it was just an optical illusion from the light oh and shit, i love that when that came out that was the coolest thing in the world then like there was a movie that kind of worked it into it and uh, it was just cool it was just yeah cool, yeah you know but oh back in the days when things were so innocent right so yeah um well let's stay in space shall we uh sure. and this is something that john had wondered about and i think he originally covered it and there's some updates here uh, this is by Francesca Street, CNN. Inside the Space Hotel, scheduled to open in 2025. So it's still a go, evidently. Um, yeah, that's a a real, real short time frame to build something like that. It's a damn short time frame. I mean, uh, well, you know, so here, here's, here's a, the, the ins and outs of it. Uh, the U.S.-based company has revealed new information and concepts for a space hotel idea, uh, designs for which have been orbiting since 2019. Originally premiered by Californian company at the Gateway Foundation and then called the Von Braun Station, uh, this futuristic concept consists of several modules connected by the elevator shafts that make up a rotating wheel orbiting the Earth. So the project's now being overseen by Orbital Assembly Corporation, uh, and it basically cut links with its Gateway group, evidently. Uh, and they are now aiming to launch not one but two space stations with tourist accommodations. Voyager Station and the renamed original design is now scheduled to accommodate 400 people and to open in 2027, uh, while new concept Pioneer Station housing 28 people could be operational in just three years. Um, the goal, says Orbital Assembly, is to run a space, quote, business park, home to offices as well as tourists. Uh, but there's still a pretty unbelievably price point attached, which, you know, here we go. You, know, you figure that. Uh, to make the space trip, which makes it hard for any of us uh, to actually envisage spending our annual leave out of this world. Uh, and I'm trying to scan here to see if they had some cost figures. But I cannot think that it wouldn't be very cheap. 
Um, yeah, that would be I one can't, thing. I can't even afford a, a spring break trip to Mexico. I don't think I'm going to a fucking <laughs> space know. station. Right. Um, space ops have become more commonplace over the past year. Of course, we've got other ones, you know, Virgin Galactic, Blue Origin, Elon Musk, SpaceX, yada, yada. You know, these guys have been doing the, you know, the launch off and the landings and all that. On yeah. top of it, but uh, you know, it sounds like it's got funding blowed. It's got a safety net. I, I don't know. You know, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting yeah, to know I mean, where's it at. How far does it orbit? What? How much? It just a curiosity. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah. interesting. I think that money could be put to better use. But oh, absolutely. Well, most of money, money can be so. <laughs> true. Yeah, and you know what? Most money can be put to better use. I'm sure. But yeah, there's that. But uh, I don't know. You know, I'll keep uh, I'll keep tags on this and see what goes on. I mean, you know, not to be a pooper, but it's exciting. I mean, we're yeah. you know we're into twenty twenty two twenty five, and we get a you know go hotel in space. You don't see that every day. But yeah, yeah I mean, you know. unless you're watching two thousand one a space odyssey every day, right? <laughs> God, I love that show. <laughs> I just um, do you have? Did you say you had another article? I got one more on my side, but I want to see what you um, had. Yeah, I do. I'm, now I'm just trying to remember which ones I read. Because mm. um, I got a creepy audio I'll play for you once you once you wrap up that uh, I, I found. I think it's kind of titillating. So This one kind of uh, is tertiarily related to the one about water on Mars. Um, mm. So uh, scientists successfully... No, that's the wrong one. Hang on. Clumsy thumbs. <laughs> there we go. This is from Forbes. Uh, NASA-funded sounding rockets to probe nearby stars' habitable zones. So when I when I saw the headline, I was like, oh, fuck, we're shooting probes out to nearby stars? This is amazing, but that's not really what it is. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was excited for a second. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> but uh, sounding rocket technology based, captured, or based on captured World War II-era German V-2 missiles is not only still relevant 75 years later, but is now on the cutting edge of astrobiology and extra... Oh, Sorry. Welcome to Sunday. Exo- <laughs> exoplanetary exploration. A NASA-funded team led by the University of Colorado in Boulder uh, will this summer launch another two sounding rockets equipped with half-meter optical telescopes to determine whether our nearest stellar neighbors have inner solar systems that could p- support habitable life. Hmm. The, uh, the UC Boulder team uh, teams are specifically targeting nearby stars Alpha Centauri A and B in hopes of uh, characterizing their stellar ultraviolet environments to determine if such stars' hypothetical habitable zones could be sustainable or suitable for life. The aim is an ongoing sounding rocket campaign to determine if spectral type F, G, and K stars, the ones most like our own sun, would be so active even in full maturity that they would strip any planets they might harbor in their inner solar system of their atmospheres on time periods of a few million years. Hmm. Here in our own solar system, NASA's MAVEN mission to Mars ultimately determined that our own young sun's energetic protons stripped our red planet of almost all its atmosphere within a few hundred million years. Earth is protected by a very robust magnetic field, but Mars was never able to maintain a global magnetic field for long. So, bye-bye atmosphere. Nice. Um, UC Boulder astrophysicist Kevin France 
and colleagues will be, uh, sorry, will this summer be traveling to a new launch site in Northern Australia to send several 60 foot sounding rockets, some 280 kilometers into sub orbit, including a new scientific payload. Each launch has a cost of about 2.5 million. France, NASA's campaign scientist for the Australia launches told me in his office in Australia, he and his colleagues will use a far, a far ultraviolet spectrograph instrument to investigate the high energy environments around the two of our closest stars. We're going to essentially observe a full ultraviolet spectrum of Alpha Centauri A and B at wavelengths that the Hubble Space Telescope doesn't observe, said France. Right now, we don't have any firm evidence that there's actually uh, any planets around either star. Um, we're okay. not looking for planets. <laughs> we're basically understanding the stellar host environment to see how active it is, then how that would impact the evolution of life, says France. Hmm. Just having a planet there is only part of the game. It's It has to be a planet that has its atmosphere, said France, which <laughs> makes sense. Right, yeah. Um, in the last decade, new technology on the sounding rockets have allowed for incredible control of the onboard telescopes pointing. Today we have star trackers with very precise gyros and uh, real-time control systems with little gas jets to keep everything stable, says France. The observations can be controlled from the ground using what amounts to a glorified video game, he says. Which, that sounds fun. I wonder what that pays. <laughs> I know, right? Um, when we're up over the atmosphere, there are high-pressure jets on board, which are part of the attitude control system. I need one of those. That uh, <laughs> talks to the ground. Uh, we can line up the telescope with the target to make six to seven minutes of observations. In six or seven minute increments, we can get measurements on what we can make with Hubble, or sorry, that we can't make with Hubble, said France. Hmm. As for why they're called sounding rockets, uh, you probably know this, Shane, but that's an old nautical term to measure the depth off a ship's stern. Yep. The terminology is used now for sounding rockets because they just go up and touch the altitude and come back down they're just sounding the space environment. Yeah. They're, they're pinging it is what they're doing. Basically. Yeah. It's kind of like yeah. old fashioned sonar, you know, in yeah. a way. So yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, um, kind of cool. from launch to touchdown, the flights are about 20 minutes says France. The rocket motors are single use. He notes, but the science payloads can be launched multiple times, typically three to four. Um, it will land about 120 miles downrange in the jungle somewhere says France, but he notes that all their, sounding rockets use parachutes and have gps beacons the sounding rockets campaign aim is to determine whether the high radiation environment around near nearby sun-like stars would strip any potentially earth-like planets of their atmospheres on timescales of only a few million years if so our own planet may be an anomaly uh, hmm. the james webb telescope will be very important for telling us whether rocky planets around red dwarfs can hold on to their atmospheres or whether these planets' atmospheres evaporate with a couple million years, says France, uh, within a couple million years. Man, I'll tell you, um, dude, I'm so excited for that James Webb. I, I hate to keep rolling on it, but man, some of, even some of the early, early stuff that's coming out of, of what it's seeing is, yeah. is mind-blowing. So, yeah. Um, they go on to say, but doesn't a planet's magnetic field help it to hold on to its atmosphere? Uh, the question of magnetic fields and how much protection they provide for a planet is hotly debated, said France. Uh, there is a... Con Con there is a conventional, not controversial, conventional wisdom mm. that says you must have a magnetic field to hold on to your atmosphere, he says. But France notes that there have been several studies in the last few years that indicate that in some cases, the presence of a magnetic field can either help or hinder you. 
What can we expect? If Webb tells us that red dwarf stars are not promising places to find habitable planets, then we will need to really... This is a weird sentence. Then we need to really need to double down on our efforts to develop <laughs> the technology that allows us to go find and study the planets around G-type stars, says France. G-spectral type stars are like our own sun, he says, that may... He says, maybe the best bet for finding habitable planets. Hmm. And that, in turn, may ultimately explain why we are here to debate all this. Yeah. Interesting. I'm all for any other method to find more planets. I mean, by all means, you know, bring it on. Yeah, I just, I can't believe that we are the only planet that, um capable of of harboring life in this whole i i, I can't fucking universe. I, I refuse to believe that i refuse to believe that if that's the case then man it's so depressing i mean well I just and if that's you know. the case then we should probably be taking better care of it yeah oh yeah well that's the depressing part you know yeah. jesus so crazy yeah well all more power i mean that's cool like i said technology you know finding yeah. new ways to do things you know that's amazing um I did want to, so this is an audio clip that I want to play, and basically it, it's actually really kind of cool. Uh, this was actually recorded by, uh, NASA has a observatory called the Chandra X-ray Observatory, and they actually can, um, basically they, they ping and they radar sounds, um, and they managed to uh, pull sound from a black hole. Uh, you want to listen to this shit? Because it's crazy. Yeah. Okay, here we go. I picture that as like the lost soundtrack to the Disney black hole movie, you know, as everything's flying through space. It just, I I fucking love that movie. All I heard though, when you played that was the initial like, and then it sounded like my neighbors arguing. Oh, oh, really? Well, it kind of does. It's weird. It sounds like ghosts in a barrel or something. It's hard to explain. It's hard. It'll come through the audio, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, so that's, and they're grabbing like sound bites like that right and left. Um, This is from a journalist, Alex uh, Eccleston that actually got a hold of this audio recording and made it. And it's funny because I found it on metalsucks.net <laughs> just because of what it sounds like. Uh-huh. Um, but I caught it in a couple other articles too. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Just, you know, like I said, technology and, and just, I can't even imagine what the whole theory between black holes fascinates me, you know? And now of course we find the biggest one of them all in the middle of the Milky Way, which that was the one that I reported on in the very beginning of the episode. Um, and just to update on that, um, it's huge. Like it literally is, but the, the, as big as it is, it's like millions and millions of times slow. Like there's no, according to what scientists are gathering and thinking that it's not going to envelope the Milky Way. It's not going to suck us up anytime soon. Like it's just there. It's been there for millions of years doing nothing. So I, yeah, you know. I saw a headline earlier this morning that was basically that said uh the supermassive black hole at the center of the milky way is a gentle giant yeah basically you know so i mean it's it's in no we're in no fear of getting sucked up anytime soon i'm sure so but anyway yeah yeah uh did you have something sorry man 
oh no no i just like the reason that audio to me sounded like my neighbor's having a party is because they are so i hope that's not coming through <laughs> no, I coming through it. on this but. not on my side anyway that's <laughs> funny so um i think that's all we got for you i did have a couple things so first of all uh the secrets of skinwalker ranch is back on history channel uh i think there's two episodes out i have not caught up with them yet but uh folks if you're willing to it's it's i guess it's this season three's kicking off there's some great response um brandon fugel you know no matter what you think of the guy I, I always see him respond on Twitter and respond back to like what they're doing and how they're doing it. And and I think I sent you guys a link a couple days ago, but the um, website that Thomas Winterton had discussed when we had him on a few weeks ago is live. And so yeah. I think that's so – we can uh, put that in the links on the show. I think it's Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch uh, com. the whole thing. Um, and they're supposed to basically give updates, little kind of behind-the-scenes stuff um, beyond what they usually do. So I, I don't know. You know, maybe – you know, some of that secrecy will be uh, will be lifted out. But he mentioned it, and I was excited to see that actually active and running. Um, and so, you know, you guys should check that out. Yeah, I think it comes out on Tuesdays. Uh, I watched – I don't know if I watched both of them yet. I know I watched the first one, um, and there's already, like, weird stuff happening. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm looking forward to the digging. You know, we'll see what, uh, you know, we'll see what happens and, and where it goes. Yeah, uh, um, one thing that I do remember from – I should probably stop – um uh being in altered states of consciousness when i watched that show but uh, <laughs> know, right? one thing one thing i do remember uh from the i think it was the first episode is they're dropping uh like instrumentation like little tracking devices out of uh the helicopter over the triangle area and they're like doing things that they shouldn't be doing oh. like like uh okay. like disappearing and like they're they're not going straight down like Hmm. but it's like not the they're not like getting the type of like uh flight path is probably not the right word but the type of um, what what their trajectory would be yeah yeah that they should be for just dropping it you know what i mean that's crazy no exciting stuff and and again you know we talked about it during tom swinner interview it's not just that ranch it's that whole area he alluded that there was what three or four he kept changing but he said there's like three or four things that'll blow your mind and watch for him and so you know, we'll see where the season goes, but excited to uh, to have that back on. Excited to have the team because you know I, I really do think they they put a lot of um, a lot of effort into the research they're doing and what they're doing. And and again, we've said it before, but excuse me, we said it before, but the um, the whole premise behind the show is different from any other show that's out there. I, I mean, just what they are involved in, this, the testing they do, what they find, you know, it's not strictly a cryptid or strictly a ghost or it, it's just a, well, it's just well done. It's just well done. Yeah. So, so check it out. If you guys haven't uh, check it out for sure. And then um, when you get a chance, Josh, yeah, you, uh, I don't think your plan, your plans might've got screwed up, but definitely on a fun note, Dr. Strange, um, anybody who's a Marvel fan, man, I loved it. It's long. You don't know how long it is. It's, it's, Sam Raimi's behind it. He's the one that did the Evil Dead, and so there's a lot and of his the stuff. Original Spider-Man trilogy. Yep, yep. Original Spider-Man trilogy. Uh, you can tell he's got his uh, his fingers all over that movie because it's just well done. Well, yeah. Done. I haven't seen it yet, but from all the like press stuff around it and, and everything, like they were talking about wanting to explore the more like kind of horror uh, and mystical side of the. MCU, which I think is super interesting and cool and fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, like, I don't know if you watched Moon Knight on 
yep. Disney Plus. But F- finished it a couple nights ago. Fantastic. Oh, awesome. Awesome. I, best best Marvel show uh, that's been out there, I think, for a bit. I mean, just how yeah, they, they did it. Oh. They keep knocking it out of the park, man. Like, I mean, I know a lot of people are getting Marvel fatigue, but, like, I grew up with those comic books. So, like... Yep. And they keep making like just really, really, really good movies. Like the even the Eternals, which a lot of people didn't really like. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, eh, yeah, it's it was all right. right. I it mean, right. I watched it, it like three times. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's it's set for somebody specific. You know, that's the thing. You know, like you got the Inhumans and all that stuff going on. Yeah. Um, and you know now what Phase Four of the Marvel, and you'll see some of that in Doctor Strange where they bring other characters in. It, it's just you know it's it, it's just neat what they're doing. I, I really think they're going down the right path. I wish DC would. <laughs> get their shit together and catch up. But yeah. Whatever, I, I think that Marvel did it right because they have Kevin Feige. That's like the mm-hmm. creative, like he's the president of Marvel studios and he's like, he has like a master plan for all of it to keep yep. it all yep. th- oh. like continuity yep. and all together and yep. stuff. And, yep. and I think, and, and Disney very wisely lets him run that and doesn't interfere with it too much. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, it, I, I think that the problem that all the DC movies have is, overreach from studio execs and and not let and they don't have like one person that's has a, a an overarching creative vision for agreed. the whole thing agreed i know? think that's what's drowning them you know because yeah, they're so there's they're compartmentalized when they make the dc movies and they shouldn't be it, it's a weird yeah yeah and they don't and 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 i think studio executives keep getting in the way instead of just like saying all right do your thing mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and um yeah, I don't know, but like a lot of the DC series are just as good as anything you'll see yeah. uh, from Marvel, but the movies they just can't get it right. Yeah. But I think that's the same issue they had with the what was it, the Dark Universe or the Dark Dark They they, they one. did. They tried to kick off the uh the what they call the Dark Universal Studios. They brought all the monsters, the old ones yeah. back. Tom Cruise's and the new mummy, which probably was problem number 1. Uh, yeah, I, I <laughs> have not finished it <laughs> yeah when the invisible man was good though i mean so you know i mean they had uh, i don't know we'll, we'll see how they re-kick it I, I just think you know you can you can reinvent an old character if you do it well but it's yeah. so easy to screw it up you know that it just it screw, fucks everything up it just is not watchable at the end you know yeah so. but like doom patrol which you can watch i like on doom patrol hbo is yeah fantastic yeah you know? yeah 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 for sure, for sure. So, anyway, just a tidbit on that. You know, you, we're uh, uh, not really a, a movie Marvel show podcast, although we turn into that often <laughs> just because yeah. we're avid fans. You know, but like I said, yeah, check it out. If you guys haven't checked now, check out uh, Doctor Strange. Well worth it. Uh, kind of stands on its own, I feel. Um, and then stand by for, again, we have some guests coming up. We got some original write-ups. Uh, if you guys have something that you want to share with us that you want to hear, and uh, there's one Patreon member, Mitchell, so I'm still working on uh, your request. We'll have a, a couple Patreon asks out there for actual episodes. Um, just trying to get it on the calendar and get it finalized. So if you have something, you can. You can actually write us and let us know what uh, what your heart's desire may be at strangergirls.gml.com. Or you can call us at 801-252-69. Yeah. 45. And let us know. Um, or if you have a story. Um, how are we on socials? Oh, we're in the same places. Um, we're uh, at Strange Uncles Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. We're at Strange Uncles on Twitter. Uh, YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That exists <laughs> in the universe, I guess. It might not for long. We'll see. They're making some harsh uh, moves over there. So, Oh, are they? I hadn't yeah. heard of any of that. 
Yeah, which probably for the good, to be honest with you. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm sure there's something else that's going to fill the void, even if they fall and tumble, which it's going to be hard to do because YouTube's its own monster for sure. So, yeah. Anyway, but uh, I think that's all we got, man. Um, kind of, you know, different recording with you on a Sunday, but uh, it's been fun. Uh, a lot of good news uh, things out there. And uh, like I said, stand by for uh, new episodes and and we'll go forth. And I think uh, next time I'll see you personally, I think I've got a schedule out there in Salt Lake for uh, last week of June. Um, nice. If that changes, you know, I'll let you know. You know, it's always good seeing you guys in person for sure. So anyway, awesome. you got anything, Josh? No, I need more coffee. No, I know. I probably should have coffee this morning, and I did not. I might go grab some before I edit. And then, folks, literally, um, we recorded this probably, uh, it'll be like 30 minutes from now, and you'll have it in your hot little hands. So enjoy, and uh, close the gates.